Hey, I'm Todd Stacy. I'm Mary Sell. And welcome to In the Weeds with Alabama Daily News. We are at the Alabama Council of Association Executives here at Montgomery Country Club, a live studio audience live for studio. the very first time. So, Mary, we were invited to basically talk about issues leading up to the legislative session, which is starting really just in a couple of days, less mm -hmm. than a week. Mm -hmm. And so why not just go soup to nuts on some of these? We've been a part of hearing a, you know, a lot of experts um, and, and leaders here talk about these issues. But let's just do it because we're reporters. We report on it. We can kind of give an unvarnished sort of take on these things. So where sure. shall we start? Where shall we start? Let's start with school choice because that seems to be the big issue that everybody's talking about. It's going to be probably one of the most dominant issues, if not the most dominant issue, right? I agree. And uh, Lieutenant Governor Ainsworth just got finished talking about it. Right. Um, Very hard to follow all of your sources, by the way, in an event <laughs> like this, but we're going to do it. The, the thing on school choice, it's been around for a while, and it was really interesting to hear the Lieutenant Governor talk about how um, the whole point around school choice originally, I'm talking 20 years ago, was to push traditional public schools to get better. I haven't heard people talk about that in a long time. And so the, the drive now on school choice, you're hearing more from uh, more right-wing, more conservative voices, is less about improving schools and more about, hey, we just want freedom with our tax dollars. We want to right. send kids, we want our, our um, choice to send kids to private school or homeschool or wherever. There's a big difference when it comes to that in the, in the minds of lawmakers who are making that choice, right? Making those decisions. Um, for a long time in the legislature, um, the, when you talk about education, it's about improving schools. It's about mm -hmm. improving outcomes. A lot of this school choice debate has become less about improving outcomes and more about just give me my tax money and I'll do it as it, and, and that's, that is going to really um, surface itself in this debate because um, over the issue of accountability. Right. Should we attach accountability standards to this education savings account, you know, plan, whatever, whatever the governor's office comes up with? Sorry, I'm getting kind of echoey. Are y'all getting that too? Um, and so that's, that's sort of the decision. It's like, should we attach accountability standards to these education savings accounts? You know, if you get $7,000 to send your kid to a private school or to homeschool, should that school also meet education standards that um, other, other public schools and charter schools have to meet? Right. A lot of these bill sponsors, like, uh, the ones in the Price Act say, absolutely not. We yeah. won't be a part of any kind of standards. The, the leaders of the education budget committees, I don't think they're going to be there. We'll see what the right. governor comes up with. Right. And to be clear, we're going to see multiple school choice bills. Um, we will see the Price Act again. And that one was wide open. And it had some support from some groups. But, yeah, you take your $6,900 I'm sorry, $6, and you do what you want with it. And parents get to make the choice. And there are still lawmakers who very much support that. And there was no accountability, no testing. Um, but we've heard the education leaders in the State House for years say, we need to improve education. And they are still very much married to using tax money to do that. So I think whatever we see, and again, this will be Governor Ivey's proposal. We're not, she's keeping it kind of close to the vest right now. We'll roll out at the state of the state, I'm sure. Um, where we'll actually see a little bit more about what she's proposing 
But the big debate will be, how big is this bill? It's not going to be the everybody gets everything. The It's not going to be the Price Act. Yeah. Um, well, and, and also there could be a cap, right? So yeah. if you cap it at $100 million, $200 million, whatever mm-hmm. it is, um, that means the state can only give that much out um, per year. And the folks I've talked to around the school choice debate, not just in Alabama but in other states, kind of doubt that we would ever get there. Would we ever, if standards are attached to this, we probably wouldn't even get to $100 million. How much would it be utilized? And so for that reason, I'm also hearing lawmakers talk about, well, let's use the school choice options that we currently have, you know, improving our charter school law, mm-hmm. um, improving the scholarship situation that we already have. But I expect something to pass, but I don't think it's going to be this universal, you know, no limits uh, kind of thing. Right. That's where the debate will be. How, how big is it and the, the accountability measures? Because there's still some, the, the Republican leaders that I've been talking to still want to see those, those metrics. Right. What other issues? Um, I heard there's a con- congressional race. I heard there is too. But let's. I actually want to do the. Um, oh, you want to do state at, house issues first? Well, okay. I want to do. See, now yeah. you guys are going to know that the podcast it's only like 20 minutes, but it takes Todd an hour to edit out my ramblings. So. No, it's it takes me. Yeah, it, it takes me. I'm, I'm the one that needs editing, not Mary. Okay, gambling. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about gambling. gambling. Elephant in the room. Let's talk about gambling. I'm really interested about this because. We've, you know, going into last session, we started hearing no gambling this year. That was the speaker's edict because there was so much to do. We, we know that gambling complicates everything. And so he said, guys, we're not doing it this year. Take a break. Go, you know, he charged, um, you know, a handful of members, this ad hoc committee to go and research and, and do all that. So they've been doing that. Now they're bringing a bill um, with presumably the speaker's blessing. We don't know all the details yet. Probably some of you in this room do. Um, I, I talked to Andy Witt, Representative Witt, on Monday, and he said they were still working on it okay. and hope to have something to introduce soon. So. Right. So we'll, we should have something. In, in fact, uh, Witt's coming on Capital Journal next week, so we'll, hopefully I'll pry it out of him. Um, but the, the issues are the same. The, the, it's it's going to be lottery, Casino gambling, sports, sports betting. betting. We know that. That's the way it was in 2021. The, the, the different factors, the different levers you pull are, okay, where does the revenue go? Yeah. That's, the, that's obviously a big one. The other is how much and to what extent are you regulating and enforcing, right? That's, that's, a, that's a really big one. Um, and, you know, the other is like, well, I guess it kind of goes along with not just regulating, but enforcement. Are you going to shut down the existing illegal operations? That's what I hear from lawmakers is that's what they want the answers to. Right. Um, you're, you're going to have plenty that are just ideologically opposed to expanding gambling of any kind. That's, you know, I, I would put that in the 20 to 30 member range. You've also got this interesting middle where they are opposed to gambling, and yet see this opportunity for regulation and right. enforcement. And money. money. And, and money. Well, yeah, I think, I think they all see that. Um, but then, and then you've got folks that are like, look, my, folk, my people want to vote on a lottery. Yeah. And if, if, this is, if this is the mechanism to get them a lottery, it's already here anyway. Um, so I don't know. What do you think about its chances in the House? 
I feel like this is such a big proposal, this is such a big idea, that just looking at the last couple of years, any really big legislation that has passed, uh, gas tax increase, ARPA spending, um, the ducks, those, those cakes were baked before the session started, mm -hmm. and I feel like this cake is not baked. <laughs> um, hmm. if, if Governor Ivey were out in front of this, if a few more leaders were out in front of this, I'd be like, yep, it's going to happen. It's, it, it might, but I think there's a lot of details to be worked on, and what, what this is going to come down to is, like you said, the, the enabling legislation what all these rules are going to look like, who's going to be in charge of this. Because I think um, Representative Pringle said this to, to us a couple weeks ago. They've watched the Medical Marijuana Commission and this mm. awkward um, process in the last year. And, you know, their lawmakers are a little removed from it, but they passed this bill, they set up the commission, they said, go for it. And it has not gone well by yeah. any standards. And I think they're so gun-shy about not wanting to, to see a repeat of that, whether it's gambling legislation or school, school choice legislation, that we're going to see a lot more details in, in any of these big bills. That's a great point about Thank medical you. marijuana. <laughs> well, because, yeah, they, nobody anticipated, well, maybe some did, but I didn't hear the debate in the House or Senate about, hey, this is creating a big mess, and it has become that, uh, yeah. very litigious. Um, also think you're going to see plenty of opposition. You know, back in 2021, when the last time a gambling proposal was really got legs past the Senate, there wasn't this real organized opposition. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of groups sort of, you know, took the, the session off in terms of like, well, is it really our time? I don't think this is going to pass anyway. I don't think you're going to see that this time. You've already seen the Policy Institute come out really strongly against it. I think you're going to see other groups really um, rallying against it, you know, ideological, uh, ideologically opposed to gambling. And it's going to be, this is a brand new legislature. It's not the same legislature as it was in 2021. You know, a lot of these members haven't seen or heard from the opposition. And so that's going to be a factor too that I don't think a lot of folks are anticipating. Right. I mean, what happens when, you know, conservative, you know, Leaders come to your office and say, "We're not for this, yeah. and we're and, and we are going to be in touch with your constituents." That's going to be a factor, yeah. and, and and one that I don't, you know, I think maybe isn't really appreciated right now. Yeah. So we'll I, think, I think the conversation in the House has definitely changed because that's where these bills have gone to die the last decade, at least. Um, the conversation has definitely changed, but I, I'm not sure. Yeah, and and speaking about revenue for a minute, because that's again probably the biggest factor in terms of what people are going to um, support or not support. If you remember back in 2021, it it passed the Senate. It was getting really close in the House. I think if they had mm -hmm. another week or two, it probably would have passed because things. It really came down to what is this? What is the the words on the page? Because you know it's like we're we're going to spend. I don't know, 40% of the casino money or whatever it was for health care. Well, we all knew that meant Medicaid expansion, but it wasn't like in the bill. The Democrats really wanted it in the bill, in the amendment. Republicans didn't. If they had like figured out a compromise on that, we'd have already been voting on it, yeah. right? They would have already passed. So, it, so that, that's going to be a, a, an interesting conversation this year. Will Medicaid, health care, whatever you want to call it, be a part of it? You know, how much goes to education? Now there's a big talk about, you know, 
putting some toward mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, they had this big poll the other day about lots of Alabamians support spending this kind of money on mental health. So um, I do think the revenue and where it goes is a, is a big, right. big um, factor. Yeah, and maybe y'all have seen some of this, but we, we have not yet. So it'll, it, that's going to be a key to it. Our email inboxes are open if any sources yeah, right would, like to, would like to. All right, you brought up Congress, so let's talk. Uh, AL1 or AL2? You want to start AL2? Sure. There's a congressional race going on, <laughs> in case you haven't um, you turned on the, the TV. Five people not running. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, raise your hand if you're not running for Congress. Um, that's, that's what they do in the Democratic caucus uh, in the House these days. Um, really interesting race. And, you know, I, I see this just litany of candidates running. We know it's only going to be four uh, left standing after March uh, 5th. Right. Um, but it's this brand new district that nobody really knows how to run in. Yeah. Um, I've worked several races in the second district, but it's not the second district anymore. There's no yeah. Otaga and Elmore. There's no, um, you know, half of the wire grass. It's, you've got all of the black belt to yeah. consider and Mobile, now Mobile. Montgomery. So there's just, it's really difficult uh, to figure out how to run this race. But who in your mind are the top candidates on the Democratic side? Um, Representative Daniels. Um, and probably Mr. Figures. Yeah, I think Shamari Figures is strong. He's going to have money down the stretch. I agree with you about uh, about uh, Daniels. Also, think Napoleon Bracy is mm-hmm. a big, um, maybe unanticipated, unexpected uh, force yeah. there. Very well known in Mobile. Right. Um, and he so kind of got out early. He did, and he was the one leading in that SPLC poll. Then you know what? What do you have? Like seventeen percent, but. Um, the Republican side is also interesting. And I, my contention has been it's going to take a perfect storm for a Republican to, to compete in this race. By perfect storm, I mean three factors. Number one, the Democrats have to nominate somebody who's problematic, mm-hmm. meaning just a, a bad candidate, somebody that doesn't live in the district, somebody that's easy to attack. Yeah. Um, number two, go ahead. The district thing, how much does that matter? It doesn't matter in the in the primary. It could okay. matter in the general, and that's what I mean. If yeah. they nominate somebody that that doesn't live in the district, yeah, then that's a that's enough. That's a that's a thread the Republican can pull. Okay. So that's number one. Number two is Republicans have to nominate somebody really good that right. can appeal to independents. Um, and number three is really depressed Democratic turnout. Um, look, all three of those things can happen. Democrats can nominate somebody that's outside of the district, enough of an issue for Republicans to use. Um, Republicans can nominate somebody who has independent, moderate appeal. I look at Dick Brubaker. Mm-hmm. I look at Caroline Dobson, um, they, you know, two self-funders who can appeal to the other side. And then the third factor about turnout, I mean, come on. It, it, if you just look right now, it is not looking good for Democrats across the board with Biden right. at the top of the ticket. Right. And so... You know, it, it was unlikely as this district got drawn, but those three things could line up to give somebody like Brubaker, somebody like Dobson, um, maybe Albritton, um, a, a chance. Mm-hmm. I still don't know how Albritton's going to run for Congress and write a budget at the same time, but I guess we're going to see. <laughs> yeah. That's a good, yeah, he's going to be busy. He's going to be busy. Yeah. And in the second district, you've got Carl, you got more. 
Um, that debate was a little feisty last week. It's very spicy. They're going to have another spicy one uh, <laughs> coming up. The big thing, I'm, and, and we'll tie this back to Montgomery and, and the State House in a minute, but the big factor I, I see happening here is just the influence of MAGA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we can maybe MAGA adjacent, meaning like Club for Growth and money that's coming in, influences coming in. When I see Barry Moore, he is just running so far to the right. Yeah. Um, and I get why. Like, like 10 years ago, I would have said, like, that's a terrible idea. Um, you know, we, I've run against candidates and beaten them that way. Like, come on, nobody wants that. The, the, the voters have changed. Mm-hmm. The electorate has changed. And so I, I get why he's doing that. But not only that, he's being backed up by this, this MAGA sort of movement, whatever you want to call it, that is formidable. And so I think he's got a real shot to win that yeah. thing. We should know more about their money today, right? Yeah, reports are due. Uh, we're, yeah, so we're, we're clicking refresh <laughs> on fec.gov. Uh, but to, to tie back to Montgomery, you know, there's so much influence from these right-wing groups, um, Club for Growth being among them. I, I gave a talk to the Retired Employees Association. Um, is Leanne here? There she is. You, do you remember? <laughs> it was last year, and it was it was before the general election, but it was after the primary. So everybody had pretty much knew who was elected. A lot of lawmakers in the room, and I I gave this talk about don't let what happened in Washington happen in Montgomery. Don't let what happened to Congress happen in the legislature. And by that I meant I was up there and, and watched. You know, the Freedom Caucus get started. And then I, then I watched groups like Club for Growth, like Heritage and others sort of co-opt that movement and start making money off of it. And it sort of became this self-perpetuating thing, this snowball. And all of a sudden, these groups are really kind of, I don't know, co-opting Congress, running the agenda, making these ridiculous scorecards, and suddenly it doesn't matter what you believe anymore. It just matters what the scorecard says. It matters what Club for Growth says. It matters what, whatever, now it's MAGA. And it just ruined um, the House Republican conference and, and in that way ruined Congress. It just took all the, um, what I felt like was legitimate, um, you know, God honest conservatism out of um, Republican politics. I don't want that to happen in Montgomery. Mm-hmm. And that's what I worry about with Club for Growth getting involved in, in that race um, and other races. And even in state Republican politics, I don't want to see the legislature in, in Montgomery be co-opted by these outside forces and, and make everybody just run to the right and claim MAGA for everything. We've got bigger issues that were too important mm-hmm. to just to co-opt it to some national group that's only here to raise money. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So don't do it. Don't so let don't, don't let that don't. happen. <laughs> anyway, what else? I'm I'm done ranting. You're done. Okay. Sorry, but okay. can we agree we shouldn't let what happened in DC happen in Montgomery? Can we agree with that? Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, back to state house issues. We just heard from the lieutenant governor talking about um, workforce expansion and his plan. Uh, he ruled out a pretty significant uh, proposal that will include multiple bills in the upcoming session. Have not seen those exact bills yet, but I think workforce development, you know, 
state has a labor participation rate of 57 percent, 57.2, well below the national average. Um, we, we talked, you know, it's been in the last couple of years that we've stopped talking about unemployment because unemployment's great, 2%. It's been like 2% for a couple of years now. But it's those folks that are sitting outside, sitting at home, not working for whatever reason. And I think, um, as the lieutenant governor said, we're going to see a, a bigger push to figure out why they're not working, how the state could get them to work, whether it's housing, child care. I'm really, I'm excited about the child care conversation because that's been an issue in the state, in a lot of states. Well, and you've lived it. As I've a lived it. Mom. Everybody in this room probably has lived it. If you've had kids in the last 10 years, like, get pregnant, you tell your mama and them, and then you go get on a list for one of these good daycares. I mean, it is ridiculous. And and we can afford it. And there's just a lot of folks. Daycare is expensive. When I was living, when both my kids were in daycare, I was paying almost $400 a week. Yeah. That's a that's a chunk for a lot of people. And, you know, if, if we want people to work, if we want people to go to work for the wages that the companies that we support are offering, you got to give people some options. So I am excited about this. This uh, this um, health care, mental health care, the sort of reframing of all these issues as workforce issues <laughs> is interesting to me. Um, and whatever gets it done, that's that's great. But like, how do we get these people back to work? Whether it's health care, mental health care, finding a place to keep their kids safe and healthy for a day. It's, no, you're it's right, interesting. Yeah, expanded health care, expanded child care, mental health, all these things have been around forever. Right. Just as issues. But now standalone. we're talking about as Wait, a workforce. Wait, now that we yeah. need a workforce, yeah. Yeah, uh, let's, yeah let's, let's get to it. All right. <laughs> but I'm glad it's that way. Yeah. Um, because... We had this conversation really two years ago, uh, coming up on two years, with Neil Wade, who y'all remember was the director of ADO, now Department of Commerce, now runs this Path for Success Foundation. Um, all nonprofit, you know, private sector, trying to get people back into the workforce. We can, say, we can talk a lot about that. Uh, we did an episode on it in Capital Journey, you can go watch that. But they did a survey. They worked with AIAT and did a survey so and we know why people don't yeah. join the workforce. Um, some of the things that we all take for granted: childcare was way up there, care for elderly parents, transportation yeah. was way up there. We take right. that for granted. We all just drove here today. A lot of right. people don't have a car or right. have their license suspended or something like that. Um, housing, as you yeah. talked about, so removing those barriers is huge. I'm really curious to see what kind of bill um, is, is going to be developed. Um, I was impressed. I'm not often impressed by um, <laughs> politicians, but I was really impressed by the lieutenant governor's workforce plan. Yeah. Um, it was thorough. It was thoughtful. Um, it was serious. And he had some serious people in the room working on it. And I thought mm -hmm. that was really interesting. So I'm yeah. really curious what the legislation. Right. Um, and credit where credit is due, like the child care issue. As you look at all these issues, keeping people at home, like transportation, I mean, we're not going to build a public transportation infrastructure in, in a year or two. Um, but child care, that, that seems like something that's easily, more easily mm -hmm. tackled. And Anthony Daniels, sorry, Representative Daniels and Senator Gudger had a child care credit bill right. last year. 
Um, this has been an issue that, that Daniels has been talking about for a while, and I, be, I think he's bringing that back this year, too. I think so. so. Is John Bargnier in the room? Uh, he, can, he can tell us. <laughs> so we, we Manufacture Alabama and the Women's Foundation of Alabama are working yeah. really closely on that, and I, I do think um, we'll see that again. And then healthcare. Another elephant in the room yeah. is, you know, this issue of should we expand Medicaid? It's really not going to come to that. It's not going to be about expanding Medicaid. And, we, and you won't see a bill. It won't be a, any kind of legislation. It's more, you know, executive action. Should Medicaid, you know, can they partner with the private sector to create this, you know, public-private partnership similar to what Arkansas, Arkansas. did, similar to what Iowa did, um, but, but doesn't have the dreaded expand Medicaid, you know, nomenclature. We're not going to call it Obamacare? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Which, honestly, so we're actually in the field right now polling on this issue, polling on a number of issues. And if you come to the Alabama Daily News Legislative Issues Breakfast uh, this time next week, As you, should. you can see those results. But all the polling I've seen on expanding Medicaid, even amongst Republicans, doesn't really bite the way it did 10 years ago or 15 years ago. So I, I don't know if there's that risk. It's just about can we afford it? And all the, all the folks I've talked to say yes. Um, and especially if nobody has to vote on it, it sounds like a no-brainer. But any more and more I hear from leaders, especially in the business community, is that any plan to address the workforce shortage that doesn't consider um, the health healthcare, expanding healthcare, getting more people insured, really isn't a serious plan. So right, um, and I think it was telling that we saw. Speaker Ledbetter at the Montgomery Chamber breakfast a couple weeks ago, get up and talk. I mean, they're having serious discussions, yeah. um, and they're, they are working on this plan. So I think, you know, when, when Ledbetter starts talking about something um, that that openly, yeah. it's it's in the works. I agree. Well, look, let's open it up to questions, not just about issues, but anything. You know, if you're curious about what we do, um, anybody got a question for? Me and Mary, in the weeds. Come in the weeds with us, please. It's fun. That sounded a little creepy. It did. <laughs> uh, maybe talk about, uh, hmm. oh, oh, I know. Uh, tell me about ethics reform. That, that's obviously something that's going to come up. Okay. This is a room of people that care about that very deeply. Sure. Uh, it's a multifaceted issue. Uh, kind of like what you were talking about. It's been a long time since Todd wrote the ethics law. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting yeah. to see where people land, but I know yes. Matt Simpson, for example. Is Matt Simpson's been working it. on that yeah. all summer. He had several meetings yeah. dissecting the current law, the problems with it. I think we all know, you all know, there's several problems with it. I That is a good reminder that I need to uh, circle back with the good representative from Mobile County to uh, see where where they stand. I know he was planning on bringing something. I have not. Uh, yeah, not it, well, seen the, the last time I talked to him, he was talking about kind of doing it piecemeal. Yeah. You know, one issue at a time. Well, that was the question. Do you do it one issue at a time, or do you do it, you know, wholesale? Look, we all remember 2019, or I guess it was 2018, when, when that big commission was formed. We all sat there in the attorney general's office, uh, everybody talking about all the problems with the current ethics code, we all know them. The problem is there's no easy fix. There's no easy fix. And, and, and nobody wants to crack it open and be accused of tweaking the, the ethics law. That's right. And what we, what we learned after 2011, after 2010, was that 
even the best of intentions can have unintended consequences. And yeah. so um, that's what I, I hear. Matt Simpson's very um, aggressive and wants to treat it like a prosecutor and wants to reform it like a prosecutor. And I get that, and I think um, he should be commended for that. I don't know if, if the rest of the legislature, especially the Senate, yeah. is ready to, to go there. Um, and I'm sure you all have heard much of the same thing. Um, you know, redefining principle, putting back what got stripped out in the Senate the last time about, you know, there was these three definitions of principle that got cut down to really two, and that is where we have the problem. You know, could, could they simply do that and, and fix everything? I don't know. Um, but it, it is a it is a mess, uh, yeah. as, as you don't, as you all know. Yeah. And I've I've had some folks, you know, some of they they don't want to deal with it. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. Any other questions? What about Hill's idea to split the session? That how do we feel about that? Well, I, just, I to, just, to re, just to just to repeat the question, uh, Larry asked. What about Representative uh, Hill's proposal to be a constitutional amendment to split the session into a sort of a spring spring session? It'd be the same session, but a spring term and a fall term. Uh, and it, in some ways, it did make sense to me. I don't think it's ever going to happen, but it did make sense to give you a chance to come back in September and clean a few things up. I'm still getting um, used to two spring breaks, honestly. Yeah. So, which that's going to be interesting um, this year, right? Yeah, you know, two, two spring breaks. They're not spring breaks, Todd. Oh. One's constituent service. Constituent service. work period. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to remember all the times I wrote that when I worked in Congress. Constitu <laughs> district work period. Yeah. Um, just so happens the, the skiing is really nice in uh, Jackson Hole around that time. Nice. Um, nice. But I, I think it's an interesting idea. Um, I just don't think it really flies. I think we've got a system. Yeah, and, and everybody knows it. And, and it comes with a deadline, you know, on that 30th day. Everybody knows it. I think that works. And I think splitting it up, I don't, to the extent that they are citizen lawmakers, I don't think it really would be good for that. But I don't know. He's got yeah. a point. I mean, he does um, have a point. But we also have so many special sessions now. That <laughs> that's true. I mean, if, there, if there's something really pressing, the governor can call a special at, at any moment. We've, we've seen that. So. I don't think it's probably going to go anywhere, but I, I definitely want to sit down and hear Chairman Hill talk about it because I just love hearing him explain things. Right. Um, so yeah. Anyway. Chief Justice race. Chief Justice okay. race. Okay. Well, we were just talking about Brian Taylor, weren't we? So um, <laughs> on, on, on ethics more. The question was about um, the Chief Justice race. Which is getting more interesting by He's the day. He's picking up some momentum. It really is. Um, you know, early on it was pretty much, you know, this is going to be not a, really a race. But I know Brian very well. He's a close personal friend. And he's scrappy. And he has, you know, scrappily picked up some endorsements of late. Um, the money is certainly going to be on Sarah Stewart's, Justice Stewart's side. You're starting to see that. I've turned on the TV and seen a couple of advertisements already. Uh, that's just, that's, that's what wins races, really. But if he can be clever and scrappy and, and do something, he can at least make a, a, a race of it. The question becomes, is, is it going to generate news? Is, is it going to be something beyond just ads um, that, that gets, gets him some kind of grassroots, viral kind of support? That's what it's going to take, I think, for him to really win the race. But he, that's possible, um, and, and I think if it was, I think if there were more candidates in the race, you could be looking at a possible runoff. But 
I don't know. I've, I've, um, I was not expecting him to get as much steam as he has, I, I guess, is a fair way to put it. Would you agree? I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see if he can do something to, to make news to, to generate enough um, you know, viral grassroots kind of movement. But you, that, that's possible these days. Um, nobody expected Barry Moore to beat Jeff Coleman. You know, we were all there for that, and it, it, Jeff had all the money in the world, but it was the, you know, the news and everything that was the difference maker. Other questions? Y'all ready to get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> Call it. All right. Well, that, yeah, we'll, we'll let awkward silence be the end of that. Um, well, thank y'all for having thank us. Thank you so much. I, I, I will not... Um, it will be remiss if I didn't ask you to please read Alabama Daily News if you don't. Um, I would, I have to thank Mary. What, um, the only thing Mark missed in his introduction was that the best thing I ever did when starting this news company was find a way to hire Mary <laughs> Sell. Uh, she's it. the one that makes thank everything you. work. She's the one that makes everything work, and it's been a joy to, to turn the reins over to her in, in a more serious way, because it was about two years ago that I called her and said, oh, hey, by the way, I'm going to start um, also hosting this, this TV show. But so, don't uh, worry. It'll only take a few hours a week. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. You are so silly. It'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, and if you haven't met him, our new reporter, Alex uh, Alexander Will, he's not new anymore. He's been here a year. A year. Yeah. Uh, he's doing a great job. You'll see him around the state house. He'll be calling you as sources and things like that. I'm excited because you, me, Alex, three full-time three full-time people yeah. in the state house. We've got two great interns from Auburn this spring. We're a growing little team. Yeah, yeah. And just between us girls, um, <laughs> the goal for Alabama Daily News in the coming year is to hire a reporter in Washington, D.C. to fully cover the delegation um, the right way on the ground there. And I think that's important. I think, you know, we used to have several reporters in DC. You know, Birmingham News had like two or three. Uh, Montgomery Advertiser had one. Press Register had a couple. You had reporters up there in DC covering the delegation, you know, doing the doing it right. There's that's none. That's none. all faded away. Mary Ondorf was the last one. I'd like to reverse that trend. And I think our readers, you all being primary among them, would benefit from that. Not just running press releases from the delegation, but actually covering them. And if things really work out, we would turn that into a dual role with Alabama Public Television and do both TV and print. So that's our goal. I don't know if I'm going to include that on the podcast, but (laughs) that's our goal. But the reason I say that, the reason I um, bring that up is when you subscribe, when you contribute, when you run ads, when you support things like the Legislative Issues Breakfast, That's what you're contributing to. We are trying to grow, trying to become a news outlet that, um, become better better as a news outlet that provides honest, true, fact-based, non-biased news without an agenda. Um, We're just trying to report the news. And when you support the daily news, that's what we're doing. We're trying to build that and, and build it better. So that's the next step. I'd really like to hire a DC reporter. So anyway, with that, It's been fun. It's been really fun. Thank you all. Thanks for having us, and we'll see you next time.
program over to, to Todd and Mary, and Todd's got some uh, fun news for us. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, so, as you know, Todd Stacy, Mary Sell, um, we, we have this podcast, have you heard of it, uh, called In the Weeds, and it's really about policy and politics and really getting granular. And so we were talking about how to go about uh, this panel discussion and about issues, and we thought, why not just do it as a podcast? Would y'all mind just doing it as a podcast? Would y'all be okay with that? So we'll just do In the Weeds from here at ACA. A-C-E-A. A-C-E-A-E. I'll get that right for the recording, okay? <laughs> so, without further ado, let's get in the weeds, shall we? Let's get in the weeds.